Hey, what's up, guys? You are listening to Live It with Jake Sullivan. My name is Sam Fisher, and I'm the co-host here on the podcast. And I'm super excited to dig into what God has in store for this episode. So thanks for listening. And if you want to follow along with Jake's story, new content, or just know when the newest episodes are going to drop, go ahead and follow us on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play Music. Peace. All right, what is up, guys? My name is Sam Fisher. Like I just said, um, I'm here with Jake Sullivan, the host of this podcast. Um, Jake, how are we doing today? Doing great. Glad to be back. Glad to be able to keep sharing my story and yeah. hopefully pointing others towards Christ. I am I am just so excited to continue on with this um, story and just talking about this, this story of how you dealt with mental illness and pre- knowing the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Just to just to recap what we talked about in the last episode. We talked about um your your story of of high school and how and how you were dealing with um OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder and just how how the thoughts that you would have in your mind started to started to create um just such heavy anxiety in your life and um during different moments during during uh different days and then and then how you would start to plummet into fits of of depression and then ultimately that would start to come full circle and just repeat itself and then and then when you started to look to um uh psychologists first to just kind of have them hear what you were going through um you started to put your your hope in these mm-hmm. psychologists and these doctors to to be able to fix you, yep. and then and then finding out that you couldn't put your hope in these uh, doctors, psychiatrists would um, prescribe you medication, and then starting to put your hope into medication to heal you, and um, ultimately how you found yourself after these these depressive uh, fits, then putting your hope in things which ultimately wouldn't satisfy as well. Yeah. Um, is is that right? Just yeah, it's just one false hope after another, right? You know, right. And when you're suffering with mental illness, when you're in a dark place, you're grasping for hope anywhere you can right. find it. So right. from psychologists and doctors to medication, to ultimately the idea of leaving home and going to college, right? And so it would just kind of come from this this OCD, anxiety, depression, then then hope in doctor, hope in medication realizing that hope isn't real and then and then going back into that to that anxiety depression it's just like a full circle thing here but we're and and then there was that moment that you had yeah. when you were when you were on your girlfriend's street after dropping her off yeah. 18 years old in high school about to finish off high school and thinking you know I could just end it right now yeah. I wouldn't you know going 80 years of my life having to deal with these thoughts with this depression with these things that how could anyone mm-hmm. go through this their entire life? And then just having that second thought thinking, all right, I just need to make it till college. Yeah. And, and yeah. try just briefly describe again yeah. what, what that thought was that kept you going. Well, you know, it was, it, and it's so funny. And I think, I think my life parallels now well with social media and I didn't have mm. social media at that time in high school, but we can give one perception on the outside, the things that the world sees, and everything can look great. And a college athlete, a student, a high school girlfriend, right? The, the, like it's all put together well. 
but then secretly um, I'm suffering. Mm. And it was in that place of absolute suffering, absolute hopelessness where no one knew me that I was like, what's the point of living any longer? And, and I might as well just end this thing. I don't want to suffer like this. No one wants to suffer like this. And I want to be known. And in that moment of, of, of on that dark road alone that night, considering taking my life that, I placed myself in a new false hope, and that false hope was leaving home, leaving Oakdale, Minnesota, going to Ames, Iowa, playing college basketball, new friends, new team, new new surroundings, new city. That certainly would be where I would experience my healing. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. That's really good. So moving on kind of forward in that in that story, um, your hope and, and – and your thought process was once I get to college, this will be over. Mm-hmm. I I will be healed of this of these thoughts. Um, um, this depression will be no more, and and I'll I'll be cured. I just need to get I just need to get to to college. So moving on into that yeah, through that, that story, you graduate high school. How does life move forward from there? Where did you find yourself when yeah. you ended up at in Ames, Iowa for, for school? Well, I was once I graduated, I'm like, get me out of here as soon as possible. Right. People that are suffering with mental illness, they do this all the time. They're constantly placing their hope in in things on the outside, you know, new job, new relationships, mm-hmm. new cities, um, new places to live. And I and I had done that with college and I get down to Iowa State um, August of two thousand. And the first six weeks that I was on campus was everything that I had imagined it would be, you know, the new dorm, the new city, the new teammates and everything. And all of a sudden, all the anxious thoughts went away. Mm. And there were, I wasn't walking around picking up white pieces of paper. I didn't care about 90 degree angles. It was the high of the new. And, and right. I think that that high of the new traps so many people suffering with mental illness, whether it's obsessive compulsive disorder or schizophrenia or depression or bipolar, whatever spectrum mm. you may be on, right? That high of the new. And I walked on that high of the new for almost, almost six weeks. And, and then it happened again. Right. Right. And you like, interesting thing too, this thought just came to my head. Like you see that with, with, with addicts too. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and so, so like for me, like, I'm not going to go and tell my whole story, but you know, I've struggled with, with addiction in my past and just, um, and playing around and, and, um, messing around with different drugs and how like those affect your, your mind. And, and it's like when, when you're trying to find that next best thing, because that other thing won't satisfy yeah. anymore, you're used to it. It's like you, you're coming back to your old self. The thing that you're trying to mask and hide with with addiction or, you know, with new experiences, all that kind of stuff, like, it's it's a similar thing. So do you think that there's kind of like a, like almost a placebo effect where, like, you kind of tricked your mind to think, like, like, I'm in this new place, so, like, I have to be cured. Like it, yeah. it's, it was like a placebo effect. You tricked your mind into, into yeah. thinking so much that you're that you're going to be okay. That for a minute you were. Yeah. Well, like, and 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 I would say it's the if I had to call it something, it's the running from darkness syndrome. Uh huh. You run from darkness, and all you want to do is see light. Mm-hmm. And you convince yourself there's light there. Right. So whether that was the psychologist, there's light there. Oops, there's no light. The medicine, there's light there. Oops, there's no light. 
And now I'm on a new campus. There's certainly light here. And you're just sprinting from the darkness, but the darkness is chasing after you. Mm-hmm. And and you're you're holding on to anything that will provide any sense of hope or light just so that you can live. Mm-hmm. And you just think this is going to go away. This is going to go away. This is going to go away. And one thing with darkness is, is without Christ, the darkness will always catch you. Right, right. I mean... Jesus is the way and the truth and the light. Like it, it says, no one can come to the Father except through Him. And so, like when we think about a light in the darkness, that that's Jesus. When when like I I love the way that it was explained. Like how, what why is there darkness in the world? And and like what why is there darkness in the yeah. world if there's a God? Yeah. And like for for the sake of non-believers you know and 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 you're just and you're struggling with you know god isn't real all this kind of stuff all right well let's let's place ourselves in a scenario let's say god is real right and 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 obviously there is darkness there is struggle there is pain why is that why does that exist well when we see jesus when we see god this this perfect man who lived the life that that we could not live died the death that we deserve Put him against the darkness of the world, and he shines all the yeah. brighter. We can look to him and say, "That is what I need. That is what I want." He illuminates the darkness exactly, so that we can see in order to continue to walk. And, right. and and without Christ, the darkness will catch you. And that's what happened in Iowa State. The darkness caught me again. Mm. So explain how how, how that started began yeah. to happen again and, and unfold once you got into college. Well, when I went to Iowa State, right, we have being a being a Division One athlete, they have academic advisors all around you. You, you know, the first question they ask you, what do you want to study? And and it was without question when I got on campus, I, I want to study psychology and I want to know what in the world was going on with me in high school and junior high. Like I want the answer and I want to help other people. I, I thought this thing was gone now from me. So. I decided to study psychology, and our psychology classes, our first psychology classes my freshman year were in a building called Largo Marcino Hall. That's super interesting. You wanted to study psychology because you wanted to know just more about what was going on in your mind. What what, what was that all about? What had happened to me, and then how can I help other people? And I Mm, knew how close I was from taking my own life, and I always really enjoyed people and thought, gosh, if there's other people suffering, could, could I be a light in that place? And so I studied psychology, our first class in Largo, Marcina Hall, Psych 101. And part of Psych 101 is you had to sign up for these extra credit assignments. And back in the day, in 2000, in order to go right. sign up for an extra credit assignment, you'd have to go down a hallway and there'd be a piece of paper on the wall and you'd actually physically write your name. And not everything's done electronically. So I'm in this hallway. I'm signing up for these extra credit experiments. And um, I looked down the hallway to my right. I can remember like it was yesterday. I could look down the hallway to my right and I saw a white piece of paper on the floor and I walked down the hallway, I picked it up, and I threw it away. And then I looked down the hallway the other way, and all of a sudden there's another white piece of paper, and I picked it up, threw it away, and looked down the hallway the other way. And then I looked at the tiles, and there were like these square tiles with 90-degree angles everywhere. And all of a sudden, yeah. Yeah. out of nowhere, the darkness had caught me again. And, and I've been, I was stuck in this hallway for almost two and a half hours wow. going through counting rituals of the 90-degree angles, picking up white pieces of paper. The crazy thing is that, wow. and we could talk about this in another episode, but that how good you begin at manipulating your environment when you do suffer from anxiety disorder. I mean, there'd be people in and out of that hallway for that, that was two and a half hours and no one knew that I was stuck there. No one knew that I was acting upon all these obsessions, right? I, I manipulated this hallway, yeah. but I was stuck. Huh. Finally, two and a half hours later, I get out of that hallway and 
I, I began to slowly make it back to my dorm room mm-hmm. called Larch Hall at Iowa State. And I got into my dorm room. And I just laid flat on my bed. And I said, this can't be happening again. Mm. I thought when I got to campus, this was going to go away. I thought this was going to be over. I thought the pain and the suffering was gone. And yet now I'm back in this dark, dark, dark space. That's devastating. Like, I, I can't even imagine like how that, how that might feel. Yeah. And especially like without, without that light in your life, without Jesus Christ to show you who you truly are. And, and, yeah, just the darkness that you might have felt. and Well, in the sustainer of life, you know, the one thing I, I have found out about mm. Jesus over the years is that he's the one that sustains life. Right. And, and even as an unbeliever, he was sustaining my life. Yeah. And and he was holding me in the palm of his hands because we were dark, dark days. And, and, and again, and I can't reiterate this enough, and I talked about this on the last episode, is no one knew. Not mm. my roommates. Um, not my new girlfriend in college, who's now my wife, by the way. Um, no one knew, not my coaches. Uh, you know, my freshman year, for example, I was Big 12 freshman of the year um, in the Big 12. I started almost every single game. Everybody knew me in town. I was going to be named a captain by the time I was a sophomore. Uh, I was an academic All-American while I was in college. So, again, from the, from the life that the world saw, is what everybody would ever just dreamed of. Mm. But little kids yeah. that are playing sports are dreaming of the life that I have. Fans are dreaming like I would like I just go shoot a three and fifteen thousand people in a stadium stand up because right. they believe it's going in. That's one life, and then this other side, I, I'm back into this spiral, and I'm and I'm suffering, and I'm suffering, and I'm suffering, and and it's dark, and it's dark, and it's dark, and and again, just the Lord slowly drawing me to himself in those moments. Right. So um, so I kind of asked this question like in our previous episode, but what did you start to, what was your response then when you started to realize, oh no, not again. Like this is happening. Your immediate response would have been then I to wept. what? I wept. I just laid on my bed and wept and, and, like I couldn't, I couldn't believe it was happening again. And, you know, and I would do stuff throughout college. I would escape to the, just to survive, I'd escape to the basketball court. Um, like I said, I, I had met a new girl who's now my wife, you know, dating her, that relationship. There were relationships. There were my teammates. There was basketball. There was academics, things that just continued to keep some life in me, yeah. but inside there was a hopelessness. And my OCD just began to expand. You know, one of the new ones became when every time I drove my car, if I hit a bump, I thought I hit somebody and I have to go back and check that spot. And I might go back and check that spot seven times. And it was just getting the, the spiral of obsessive thoughts were getting mm. more and more extreme. The darkness was getting darker and darker until eventually the light of Christ would break through. Mm. Yeah. So, Moving, moving forward, then like, there's there's four years in college for you here, mm-hmm. and and talking about being being an athlete and stuff. So, um, what came before that mm-hmm. put that decision to follow Christ? Like, how how did that play out? So God yeah. is a God that slowly draws us in. And, and, and that, at least that was been an experience in my life, right? Like he begins right. to reveal himself, mm-hmm. but he always lets you move towards him. You know, mm-hmm. he's moving towards us always, right? Cause he wants us in relationship with him, but he began to reveal himself to me. And, and so this kind of played out. So I was, I was dating this girl named Janelle and 
She was not a believer at the time either. She had a friend that invited her to Salt Company Ministries via Cornerstone Church in Ames, Iowa. Mm-hmm. I wasn't looking for the church. I wasn't looking for God. I wasn't. I wasn't trying to get plugged into to a religious community or any of the other thoughts that I had. I believe there's a big God that loved everybody, and if I did enough good things, I'd go to heaven. And, and so she invites me one night to Salt Company, and this was this was real short shortly after I'd become Big Twelve Freshman of the Year. So this is your freshman year. My freshman year in college, and and I walk into this this auditorium, and I see this band up on the stage worshiping, and. I see seven or 800 people around me, and majority of them had their hands lifted high during worship. And, and I, I remember sitting there thinking, okay, from a world's perspective of all the world could offer, scholarship, fame, no, notoriety, uh, Big 12 Freshman of the Year, awards, recognition, all that kind of stuff. These people worshiping around me had something I did not have. Mm-hmm. And I was curious about it, especially in light of my suffering. Mm. So I had everything the world could offer, but I was suffering. So in light of my suffering, I looked around and I said, okay, they have something I don't have. What is that? And week after week, that that question of what is that? What is that light that they have that I don't have kept drawing me back? Right. And and most Sundays I was not necessarily going to church, but I was making their Thursday nights for Salt Company. And I began to slowly find out like who this Jesus is mm. and, and what, he, w- what he means ultimately to me now, but what he means for eternity. Mm-hmm. And, and I became very intrigued. I did not give my life to God. I wasn't like, hey, I'm all in. Um, me and God had a lot of wrestling mm-hmm. over the next couple of years before I said I became a believer in Christ. Right. Well, and I mean, because especially for, for non-believers, well, for you, Jake, would you have considered yourself like an atheist before before knowing Christ or kind yeah. of like agnostic or what? I would never have said an atheist. I, I mean, I believe there was a God. Right. And I believe if, if I didn't do anything horrible, like I didn't murder someone or I didn't steal or I didn't do any of these big sins that I was good and I would I would have eternal salvation. And, right. And so, like, I would never say I, was an I believe there was a God, but I was not in a relationship um with Christ or had any real knowledge of just who Jesus was and the price that he paid for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that would definitely make sense then as to why, like for you being a non-believer, there's a lot of questions, especially with the things that, that God says about sin. Yeah. Really? Well, and, like, and for me, a little bit of that, but I was attracted to the aroma of Christ mm-hmm. and I didn't know that was, that's what it was, right? Like now, I get it. But when I walked into that auditorium every Thursday night at Cornerstone Church, there was an aroma of Christ around me. And I knew, though, despite having everything the world could offer, I was still empty inside. And and it was that aroma that drew me to Christ. And the other thing that the, that the Lord did, right, and, and I think we don't sometimes think about God just operating in the ordinary or the normal activities of our daily life. So... I'm starting to try to figure out who this Jesus is. I'm this elite athlete on a Division mm-hmm. I campus in university. And one night we get together with some friends and, and um, we watch a movie called Beautiful Mind. And it was featuring Russell Crowe. And in this movie, kind of give you a brief overview of the movie, Russell right. Crowe is a, is a math professor at some campus or university. He begins to suffer from a, a form of schizophrenia. And in that suffering, he's losing. Chaos is all around his life. He's losing everything. And 
Right. And ultimately what he does by the end of the movie is he kicks his wife and kid out of the, out of the house and he begins to put himself through something called behavioral therapy mm. and in order to be able yeah. to live a normal life with the schizophrenia. And so now remember, I'm getting my psychology degree. So as I'm watching this movie, my mind is going in a million different places. Like I have a concept of what this, this behavioral therapy like is right. And, and I'm seeing Russell Crowe put himself through it. So by this time I have a complete distrust in medication, a complete distrust in right. psychologists. And I'm trying, I'm in getting my psychology degree with the intention of eventually getting my doctorate in child psychology. And I did not go down that path mm -hmm. as I discovered who Christ was. But then I see this reality and I'm like, Oh man, like I can do this. And well, so like, what you're saying is this be this idea of behavioral therapy is like almost introduced. It was introduced through I, I got it introduced through my psych classes, but I had never seen it practically right. played out until I saw this movie that so was based watch on this a true movie story. and it's being played out. Yeah, and so here's what behavioral therapy right. is for you guys that are listeners. So let's say I see a white piece of paper on the floor. Behavioral therapy would say I have to change the behavior or response there, I have to change the response. So I see the white piece of paper, I have the anxiety. I choose not to pick it up. By choosing not to pick it up, I'm going to have a spike in anxiety in, inside of me. Let's say I don't pick it up. Anxiety lasts 60 minutes and then eventually it will go away. Next time I see a white piece of paper on the floor, I choose not to pick it up. I change the behavior. Anxiety might last 59 minutes and 30 seconds. Every time I don't pick up that white piece of paper, the anxiety will get less and less until eventually the obsession is gone. If mm. at any time during the process... I revert back to picking up a white piece of paper. You essentially get yourself back to the very beginning right. or even farther out. And you have to start the whole process over. That is a process. <laughs> it's, a, it's a process. Wow. And I can't imagine anyone walking through behavioral therapy um, without the power of Christ. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. So I had my Gideon moment, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, it, you know, it's like, okay. Are you really? I'm gonna put this sweater down on the ground. If the sweater comes up wet, then I know you're really there, right? Or I'm gonna, I'm gonna test you to know if it's really you, God. So mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I, I finally have a hope that okay, there's healing in behavioral therapy, and I had learned it from mm -hmm. from my psychology background. And then I'm just starting now. I'm about two years into trying to figure out who this Jesus character is. So I get down on my knees one night after the movie, and I said, Lord, if you are who you say you are, right, and your word is as powerful as you say it is then you will help me walk through behavioral therapy. Right. And I think sometimes we get into a dangerous place with God in mental illness is, is we come to the Lord and we, we expect God to just heal us. Mm. He has the ability to do that. He can work the miraculous whenever he wants to work the miraculous. Yeah, amen. I would not ever say that God healed me. Right. I would say God provided me mm. the strength in the foundation to walk through the healing process, which was behavioral therapy, right. on his word. But again, I'm not a believer yet, Sam. So mm. I'm like, I'm like, okay, God, if your word is really this powerful, I'm gonna lean on it. Right. And you will help me walk through right. this. So Jake, you um you are going to sign up for these extracurricular activities and and experiments. You see the piece of paper, this anxiety spikes. You have and you have the opportunity to watch this movie, A Beautiful Mind, with yep. your friends. You find about uh, find out about behavioral therapy, you know. You put the two things together, like behavioral therapy could work, but I need the strength, and I'm finding out who this Jesus is. So behavioral therapy plus 
Jesus, give me the strength. So what, what comes next? What's after that? So I started, and I said, okay, what is the, what is the most inconvenient, obsessive-compulsive thing that I have and that I have some control over? And there's this whole idea of picking up mm. one piece of paper. So I only had one Bible. I had a pink Precious Moments Bible. And I began to pick up the word, and, and I, would, I would read through his word. And, 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 you know, 2 Timothy says, God did not give us a, a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love of self-discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, every time I had an obsessive thought and didn't act upon it, the anxiety was essentially a spirit of fear. And says, so, well, God drives that spirit out. And in order to not act upon it, I was going to need power and self-discipline. And in all of that pain of walking through that, God was going to love me. Mm-hmm. So I would take scripture and I would try to, you know, I would lean on it. I would mm-hmm. speak it over myself in those moments of anxiety pinned to my bed because I didn't pick up a white piece of paper and anxiety is shooting through my body. I begin to lean on God's word. And, and, and I was challenging God. And I'm not recommending this for anyone. Right. But I was right. also saying like, Lord, if you are who you say you are, mm. your word has the power that everyone says it has then you will give me the strength to walk through this behavioral therapy process on my own. And what I began to find out about Christ and his word is it does have the power. It has the power in the darkness when we are suffering. And slowly I began to heal. And over about a six-month period of time, um, I went from picking up 250 to 300 white things off the ground every day to picking up none, and literally that particular obsessive thought and compulsion leaving my life. And that drove me to the cross. Hold on. Say, wait, just rewind just like 30 seconds. So the healing process, you went from picking up how many pieces of white paper from the ground? Probably maybe 250 to 300. I had gotten to to none. Wow. Gone. And that was the first one. And it was like, okay, your word is, I mean, I would stop my car if I saw a white piece of paper on the ground. Wow. And I would pick up the white piece of paper. Wow. And it was about a six-month journey of incredible pain. Wow. But God was always there. Praise um, the Lord. The light of Christ was always there. And, and that's, that's what drove me to become a believer in Jesus. So I was like, okay, I've seen healing. Your word has the power it says mm-hmm. it was. And you loved me in my darkest moments. Right. Like, I became a believer in Christ. It would have been the fall of 2003 where I said, yes, like, I believe who you are, Jesus. You came, lived a life that I did not live, died a death that I deserved to die, and overcame death through the resurrection. Mm. Like, I am a believer. Continue Mm. to walk in this this place of darkness with Mm. me and help me heal. Right. And so that, like, realization then for you was, yeah, this Jesus has the power. This Jesus holds the power. And he has won the victory. Yeah. And, and, uh, and this is before, so like you started to receive, like get this healing before you became a believer? No. So it was, it was kind of all simultaneous, right? Like, right. Like I'm, I'm learning about who Jesus is. I know behavioral therapy and it was like this collision. Mm. And every time that I would have, like, I wouldn't pick up a white piece of paper. I'd have this incredible anxiety attack. Every time I had one of those attacks, I would lean in on God's word. Mm. And as I leaned in God's word, I would make it through that period of time right. where the anxiety was the worst. And like, I just knew he was real. So like, as I began to heal, as I began to lean on his word, it all collided at this perfect moment where I'm saying like, yeah, you are who you say you are. And, right. And I'm, I am giving you my life. So what would have been that, that ultimate moment then that you just decided, just, just kind of tell the story of that moment when you decided like, I'm going to say yes to Jesus. 
Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Well, I think as I reflected back, and, and one of the gifts that God has given me is I, I place my hope in so many false things. Yeah. Yeah, I place my hope in, in the game of basketball. Like I could just run and escape there, but I always had to leave that space. Right. I place my hope in psychologists and doctors. That space didn't ever satisfy. Mm. I place my hope in medication, and, and that only drew me to, drove me to a deeper place of depression. Mm. I place my hope in um, a new university, a new basketball team, a new place. Mm. Um, and, and that I mean, always and I, let, let me down. Yeah, your basketball experience in, in college is – is extensive too. Like that's a big platform to look back on and say like, I I can place, I can place my hope in that. I can, and, and, and And everything let me down. Right. Everything, every single thing. It wasn't until I encountered the word of God and the person of Jesus that I finally began to experience more of a long-term healing and a hope in the midst of the darkness. The darkness did not just leave all at one time, but there was a light shining in it. And it was that light that just continued to grow right. in the year ahead. And I think ahead. that there's like a false, there's a false ideology that like a lot of churches will tell you, a lot of preachers and believers will tell you like, you know, once you put your hope and faith in Jesus Christ, there's this, you know, prosperity gospel going around yeah. that everything will be fixed. And mm-hmm. that when Jesus is in your life, your pain will be gone. Yeah. You will not deal with any physical pain, mental pain, like you will be, you will have, you could have lots of wealth, prosperous and successful in everything you do. But like, in fact, that's not what the word says at all. Yeah. Like, like the word actually says, um, do not depart from the law, meditate on it day and night and do everything that it says so that you may be prosperous and successful in the things that you do. But what that means is there's, there's a security mm-hmm. in a yeah. faith in Jesus and in like, not that everything is going to disappear because we live in a fallen world mm-hmm. and and there are so many things that we will we will deal with on this world aka like mental illness mental illness right anxiety ocd extensive ocd yeah. in your case and like but the security that we have in Jesus that we can look at him and say you are the you are the ultimate security you are he it, he is and and the other thing about Jesus is he hasn't changed from the time that he walked on this earth. He still mm-hmm. walks with his people. Amen. And and I think we Jesus has the power to heal on the spot. He has the power to change all situations and circumstances on the spot if he so right. chooses to. Yeah. But what Jesus desires most is relationship with mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And the way you build a relationship is you walk with someone. Right. And relationships are deepened when you walk with someone in the darkness. Mm-hmm. And that is who Jesus is. Yep. He he is the the conquering king that wants to walk with his people through the valleys and on the mountaintops. Yeah. And you get to experience in him in such a deeper and new way that any dark moment I know he is right by my side, no different than when he was with the disciples. And mm-hmm. and ultimately he tells us in his word, like, I need to depart so I can send the helper in the Holy Spirit. And we have the Holy Spirit, we have the power of Christ dwelling inside of us. And once we understand that, there is no darkness that can overcome us, even though that does not mean there won't be dark days or painful days. Right. Right. Yeah, that's super cool and praise God. So Jake, moving forward then, um, what did it look like? as you kind of continued out yeah. through college like th- so this decision 
to follow Christ happened. W- w- was this still freshman year yeah. of college? No, this would have been by my been... right before my senior year. So this was really a three year journey from the time I first walked into Cornerstone Church right. to okay, I'm gonna be a right. I'm gonna be a believer in Christ. Right, right. Okay, so so then with the rest of that, those college days ahead of you, looking forward, what did that look like as you began to place your faith? Yeah. in your life in Jesus Christ uh, uh, up and down journey um, I you know we're going to talk about in future episodes just right the, what does the God's word say about mental illness what are some practical steps to begin to help um, listeners or if listeners are listening that have people that are suffering but it, it was an up and down experience there were really good days and there were really dark days right um, you know as my college basketball career ended in 2004, um, I walked off the court for the final time, and there was so much of my security that was left there. Mm. And now there wasn't that place to escape or run to anymore. Right. And and I had to I had to be able to fill that void with Christ. Right. And so I would not say it was just a smooth like, hey, the next four or five years were awesome. But little by little, I began to experience more and more healing. But what I got to experience the most is that we have a Savior that walks with us yeah. during the valleys, in the valleys, in the dark times, right? He's always there providing the light of hope. And if we just follow that light, we will begin to experience mm. little healing by little healing. And no matter what, we have the yeah. promise of yeah. eternal life. right? And with that promise is no matter how much we suffer on this side of eternity, that on the other side of eternity, we dwell for eternity with Christ, where there are no more tears, there are no more pain. And that is the hope, even in dark days today mm-hmm. that I will walk through occasionally, right? Like right. I hang on to the promise and the hope that that this isn't the end and right. that I will I will walk with my Savior for eternity. And in that, it brings light in all situations right. and in all darkness. Right. And and I mean, eternal life, It's we're talking about it's the salvation for anyone who believes. Right, anyone like believes. anyone who believes in John three sixteen, it says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life." I, I hear it said all the time that, like, in the Bible, there's a promise, but it's always an if-then statement. Here you have an if-then statement, mm-hmm. and it's if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you accept that gospel in your heart, Jesus, I. I need you to be the security in my life. Yeah. You are guaranteed everlasting life. And that's the security that we can have. And I think ultimately insecurities come from a place of not placing our full trust in God, in the things that we have in our life. Um, And when we don't place our full trust in God, in those things in our life, in our lives, then like we are insecure about it because then we, we, we put that weight on us. Like, for for you, Jake, I I need to fix this mental illness. These doctors, they need to fix this mental illness. Otherwise, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Yeah. I might I might just have to end it. But yeah. Jesus, knowing that the suffering we endure on this earth is nothing compared to the promise of eternity that we have when we will be with Him forever in heaven. Yeah. Yeah, it's and it, it, it is an that amazing hope. reality, and that is the reality of hope. And you can keep chasing all kinds of false hopes, and I've had all kinds of them, um, you know. And, and I've had a lot of success in some of my false hopes, but it is it <laughs> is Christ, and it is Christ alone. And yeah. So we're really excited in, in the upcoming episodes now yeah. to start saying, okay, what does God's word say about yeah mental illness? And we're going to talk about something 
called fighting for God's narrative and how the right. enemy constantly wants to change the narrative that God is writing in your life and that you're not a mistake. You're not messed up. God hasn't forsaken you, but that God is actually right there walking with you. Yeah. Praise God. So we look forward to talking about that, that in the um, next episode.